0: the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for all who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way.
1: Amen. All right, a very good morning to each and every one of you. It is uh, so good to be here uh, in your beautiful city. I've been here uh, a number of times and uh, first time on a Sunday morning, I've had the privilege of uh, being with you and uh, just so thankful that I can be here. And as my wife's first visit here, as my wife, Sherry, if you haven't gotten to, to know her yet, uh, please do introduce yourself after the service. Uh, We're visiting uh, from America. If it wasn't obvious, we're not from around these parts, uh, but uh, have been here before. And uh, we served in gospel ministry in uh, South London for a number of years before uh, moving uh, back to America, uh, to Atlanta area a couple of years ago during uh, lockdown lockdown which is a great time to try and move your your family. Of course, um and speaking of family, we uh we have quite a large family. Uh we uh my wife and I we've been married 18 years, uh almost 18 years and uh, have four uh wonderful children uh from the ages of 16 15, 10 and 5. So it is quite busy around our house. We've been gone for a week and a bit and uh, we'll be uh, returning back to the States tomorrow. So we're quite looking forward to being uh, with our children uh, once again, although they've probably enjoyed the break uh, from mom and dad, I'm sure. Uh, But uh, we love our children and uh, it's it's really interesting just how different all of your uh, kids can be and, you know, difference with siblings and the way they interact with each other. And, uh, our oldest. Uh, child, uh, Lawson is his name. Our son, sixteen-year-old. He's uh, quite an interesting character, uh, in, a, in a good way. I mean that in a good. If you see him, tell him I said good things about him. Uh, but he he's quite an old soul, and he really enjoys things that most sixteen-year-olds don't enjoy. And he's he's really into collecting things. Uh, he you'll you'll find him out uh, metal detecting and sorting through his box of coins that he's found. And he he goes all around any place we've ever been, any holiday we go on. Uh, he's always on the hunt for something new, uh, some coin shop, some coin dealer. He wants to find some some precious thing that he's he's always looking for. In fact, that's been part of our our trip. Here is uh, looking for things for him. He's he sent us a list of things. Uh, could you please find this for me and look for this? Uh, we can't get this back in America. And uh, he tells me about this, uh, this, this thing of collecting. And, and for collectors, for those of you who might be collectors in the room, uh, what I've learned and what I've been told is that uh, collecting things isn't just about the thing that you hold, but it, it's often the fun is, is in the hunt. It's in the search for something. And uh, I came across a story of a, a very wealthy art collector uh, from America. His name was William Randolph Hearst very famous man, a businessman, a billionaire. And uh, he had a really, really large collection of art. In fact, it was so big that he had to uh, build in New York City, in the Bronx, a five-story building just to house all of his precious uh, pieces of art. Uh, It it was said at one time that he actually owns about a quarter of the entire world's art, uh, which is really hard to even imagine but there was a time where he came across knowledge of this piece of art that he just felt he had to have. Uh, he wanted it. It didn't matter He at any cost. He was going to find this piece of art. And he sent one of his uh, secretaries, one of his agents, out scouring all the art collections all around the world, looking for this one valuable piece of art. It was the thing that he thought, if I, if I have this, finally I'll be complete. I'll have all the things that... I have uh, been searching for. And of course, after several months of painstaking search, the, the agent comes back and he reports to Mr. Hurst. And he says, I, I found the art. It's been found, but but we can't purchase it. And when you tell a billionaire that you can't purchase something, they, they might get a little agitated because why can't I purchase this thing? And he begins to explain to Mr. Hurst the reason he can't purchase this piece of art is that the agent actually found the very thing he was looking for in his own art collection. Uh, Quite a a ridiculous uh, predicament to be in. But what this man learned that day was that often the desire for acquiring more can sometimes blind us from that which we already possess. And you might think that sounds a bit extreme and a, a bit ridiculous, but the, the reality, the tragic reality for many people, and what we see really with people that, that are Bible-believing, uh, faithful disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, often live their lives in very much the same way. Do they not? They And we in, can entangle ourselves into some quest for something new, something special, something more in the Christian life. We begin searching for things like acceptance, uh, for joy, for identity, for purpose or meaning in life or or certain blessings in life. We're running around, looking all around the world, looking outside for all of these things. We see Christians and non-Christians alike searching for these things, Often in vain. But the reality is this, and what we're going to see this morning in the book of Ephesians, is that for the, for the believer today, for the, for the Christian among us today, uh, we don't necessarily need more things in the Christian life. We don't need to go outside hunting for more and, and new things. But, but like this art collector, we need to, to have a better uh, grip and understanding of the reality of that which we already possess. And in this book of Ephesians, this letter to the church, uh, Paul has, leading up to this prayer that we've just read just a few moments ago, uh, he has really told these believers uh, about all the things that they have. And he's going to continue to do so through the book of Ephesians in the first three chapters. And he tells them of all these spiritual blessings uh, that that they currently possess. A few of them uh, that he mentions is is that they have every spiritual blessing in Christ. That they are holy, and they are forgiven in God's sight. That they have been chosen by God. That they are God's masterpiece. That they are blameless, they are redeemed, they are a forgiven people. Paul assures that all of these people, he's he's writing to this church he tells them that, that which all people, uh, the, th- the things in life that all people seek, that, that idea of acceptance and, and blessing and identity and purpose and meaning, he says, it's yours already. You don't need to, to go hunting for this any longer. In other words, what Paul is saying to this group of people is that the gospel, the gospel is not only good news for unrepentant sinners, but that it's good news for the believer as well. Uh, That it is necessary for for all Christians uh, to continue to to live in the reality of the gospel every day from their conversion. Now, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to see, first of all, what Paul is saying to this church. In verse 15 and and 16, we'll see Paul is really praising these believers. And he's doing so for two reasons. He, He praises them for their faith in the Lord Jesus and for their love for all the saints. He says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now Paul is really giving thanks to these people, because these are really the true marks of of salvation this faith that they have in Jesus and their love for the other saints, the love for uh, for one another. As, as Alan said, this cross-pollination, that's, that's what was taking place there in the church. And Paul is giving them great thanks for that. So again, here he is giving the gospel, sharing the gospel, uh, unpacking all of these very rich gospel truths through the uh, letter of Ephesians. But he isn't sharing this good news of the gospel to those who had never heard. This wasn't a an evangelistic uh, message to, to people who had never heard the gospel. He's writing to these believers, and he tells them, "I am I am praying for you." Now, as we think about prayer, what do we normally pray for? Uh, we typically pray for those who who seem to need prayer, right? That seems quite obvious. We pray for the ill. Uh, we pray for the lost. Uh, we pray for those who may be struggling in different areas in life, and, and rightfully so. We ought to, to pray for those matters and, and pray for those people. But Paul says that he's, he's praying for mature believers and maturing believers whose faith is already in Jesus. And they're already gathering together and being faithful to one another, loving one another. They're, they're caring for one another. But there's an emphasis to Paul's prayer. And we see that emphasis in verse 17 and and in the beginning of verse 18. And he prays that, that God would give them spiritual understanding. Notice what he says. His prayer is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know. Now notice the emphasis. Paul's prayer for them is simply that they would understand something. And for us to understand things and for this church to understand things and for uh, Union Chapel to understand things, we need God to give us wisdom, to have understanding of the truths that we see in Scripture. And that was Paul's prayer for this church. And it ought to be our prayer for one another. Of course, no one comes to God Uh, Fully understanding everything uh, uh, about Him. In fact, none of us in this room today, maybe you've been a believer for uh, 70 years. You still don't fully understand all that is to be understood about God and His wisdom. But He wants us to continually be on this journey of of faith and coming to a, a growing understanding of who He is and what our relationship ought to look like with Him. In other words, we need theology, we need doctrine, we need truth, we need those things. And Paul spends a great deal of his writing in Scripture giving us those things. In fact, the first 15 verses of Ephesians is is telling us that. And it's, it's with all of that in mind. But then Paul moves on and he says, but I really want you to get this. I really want this to not just get into your head, but to transform your heart. And Paul understands this requires prayer. And his prayer is that the Ephesians might know God better. That's what the text says. And of all the things that Paul might have have asked for, this is what he puts at the top of his list here in this prayer. But what was it that he wanted them to understand? He wanted their eyes to be open. But it was to a, a few very key and specific things. The first thing we see is that he says there in verse 18, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Paul wanted them to know this thing about salvation. In other words, it was a a knowledge of the past. And this hope, this this calling that he's referring to is, is referring to their salvation. He says in Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord urge you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He says in Philippians that we're to work out our salvation, but none of us can truly work out until we first understand what has been worked in us. And so Paul is saying, I want you to understand what took place at salvation. That's why it's vital what we just saw take place with the kids talk. Uh, to begin all the way from the uh, from the very beginning of the Bible to begin with with the garden of Eden and see why do we need a savior? And what was this story unfolding in scripture? Where is it all leading to? Paul is saying that we are to really understand what salvation is truly all about. We need to understand where our hope truly rests in and of course, for the true believer, Jesus Christ and His finished work uh, on the cross, that is our hope. That is the hope of our salvation. That is our calling. And to have a, a shallow view of that, to have a, a, a not a real uh, deep understanding of our salvation, it really leads to this unfulfilled Christian life. And it begins to, to drive us to different ways of living it, it can push us to to trying to perform to to achieve god 's holiness or or pretending that our sin was was never really all that bad. Paul is saying, I want you to really understand just how bad you were and just how good God really is. He wants us to know how secure that we are in Christ as his chosen. He wants us to know how loved we are as his children. He wants us to, to get a, a, a grasp on our identity being rooted and grounded in Christ. To be confident in these truths. Because we are confident in Him. And so, that is Paul's prayer. He's saying, you are believers, you are Christians, you are the church, but I, I want you to, to really fully understand these things. But there's more to come. He goes on to say, not only do I want you to understand that which took place in the past, he says, I want you to know that that you have a bright future ahead. To have knowledge of this future. And he says in verse uh, 18, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, Paul has already... uh, tried to unpack these truths in verse 11. He, he speaks of this inheritance that is ours to come one day. He gives us the theology of that. And now he's praying that these believers would remember that. They would look forward in great anticipation to that, to be encouraged in that. That their union with Christ means that we are partakers in all that is His that we don't have to walk around this, this earth wondering where are we are going and, and are we going to be blessed. He's saying you already are blessed. It's already there for you. You, you don't need to, to, to fight for this thing. It's there. Accept it. You have it. We have a great inheritance in Him. And we can have knowledge of the past of what God has done for us. Lost and dying sinners, those who were far from God, those who were dead in our trespasses, he says, I want you to understand this is what Christ has done for you then but but there is a great inheritance coming as well. so keep these these truths, keep this on the forefront of your mind, understand the gospel, believe the gospel, preach the gospel, and believe it and preach it to yourself. So he prays for understanding of our past. He prays for understanding of our future to come. But what about the here and the now? You may say, well, the past is the past and the the future's not here yet. What does this do for me today? Well, he says that he wants us to have knowledge for the present, that you might know his power. And beginning in verse 19, he says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. We're reminded that we are to to have and to pray for knowledge of our past, to understand our future to come. Paul is now reminding us of the power that makes all of that possible. And how today we have access uh, to God's power. And it's the very power that God raised Christ that we just talked about. That power that, that rose Him from the grave. He's saying, I have that power today and I have it for you. And it is, it is through that strength, through that power that you can remember these truths. And to understand these truths. And to live out these truths. And to, to preach these truths. And to give them to other people." He says that this power is far above all rule, above all authority, above all dominion, and every name that is named. He says Christ is the head. The head of what? He's the head of the church, which puts us where? We are the body of the church, which puts us in in great union with Christ. We are not separate from him, we are united with him, and therefore we share in his power. And so what Paul is really wanting us to understand is, is, listen, church, this isn't something that you have to beg for, to work towards, to even pray for and to, to hope for. He's saying, this is a present reality. This is for you today. You simply need to grow in our understanding of this present reality. And of course, our understanding of these things only grows as our knowledge of God grows. Which is why it's important for us to to be in the Word and to, as Alan says it, to cross-pollinate and to speak these truths into our lives. Of course, we will never really know the power of God in our life until we know the person of God. And so we must understand and and come to this uh, great understanding of His beauty and His greatness and to have a, a high view of who He is and to believe What the Bible says about him is to be true. There's great knowledge to be understood. And in that knowledge is great power. And the work that we're to be about isn't the the work of of getting strong and to, to, to build those muscles so that we have strength. Our responsibility is to be near to Christ. To abide in him. And our nearness to Him is what gives us that strength. It gives us the power to understand, to believe, to preach, to speak. We're all tempted, aren't we, to doubt? And to wander, we talk about sheep and lambs. And we, as my wife and I were driving in from London a couple of days ago, we, you see these fields, you see the sheep. And, and uh, we saw a a, a great group of them coming all across. And, and uh, the, the modern day shepherds aren't on, you know, with their big staff, they were on uh, ATVs, four wheelers, quad bikes, and all those things. And, and they're leading the sheep because sheep wander. That is their tendency. That is my tendency and uh, if I'm not rooting myself in Christ and abiding in Him and, and being near to Him and doing all that, that I need to do to, to remain close to Him, I begin to wonder. I begin to doubt. I, I begin to, to wonder, are these things really true about me and in, in my life? And Paul saying, I'm praying that you'll never forget I'm praying that daily you'll be reminded of these things. That you will get a a grasp, and understanding of these things. That you will know where your hope really rests. So church, we have been blessed. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. It is there for us. But if we're not careful, we allow, like this man did, this desire to acquire more, to blind us, uh, to remove us from, from seeing what is already real in our life. And that is a miserable way to live. And I'll be the first to tell you, I've lived there. I've been there. And in my, again, as I said, my tendency is to go back to that. And so I need to be constantly pulled back and drawn into nearness with Jesus. We all need these things. And so how do we do this? How do we get to know God better? How do we live out this prayer that Paul is praying for this church? Well, I believe we have the answer given in the beginning of the passage. He says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. First of all, we know God, of course, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. No man can come to the Father but by Christ and through Christ. If you reject Jesus, you have rejected God. So faith in Christ is is where it starts. But then we grow, as Paul says, through love and, and prayer for other believers, for other saints, for God's people. We surround ourselves with like-minded believers. We encourage each other. We edify uh, one another. The older teaching the younger. We disciple one another. We love one another. And Paul is thanking these Ephesian believers for doing this very thing. We pray for one another that God would open our eyes. That He would give us a a clear vision of, of who He is. And what He has done and what He is going to do and and what He is presently doing for us. And lastly, we keep our focus on Christ. He is the center. He is the source of all that we are searching for in life. It is Him and Him alone that gives us purpose, that gives us meaning, that gives us value, uh, that gives us identity. And so we look to Him. We turn to Him. We trust Him. We follow Him. We get near to Him. We abide in Him. And all of the work in our life is is put into that abiding. It's it's whatever it takes to get near to Him. I I think of of the story of the, the friends that helped the paralytic get to Jesus. And if it means tearing off the roof to get to Jesus, that's what we do. Nearness to Christ is the goal. And it is in that, that he will begin to bear much fruit in our lives. You think about this art collector. Did he really need more art? I, I don't think so. What he, what he needed, what he needed to do was to, to take some time, right? And to walk through his own galleries, to look and appreciate that which he, which he already had and that's the work that we need to commit ourselves to to walking through the through the art galleries of our own lives and those galleries are filled with all that we see here in Ephesians that we are blessed and he has given us all of these things and as we we walk around we we begin to appreciate it Now I never really had a, a deep appreciation for art I never did and to be honest I still I still don't quite understand most art but I remember very distinctly, a number of years ago in London, one of our days out would be we'd go into central London and we'd go into the National Art Gallery there. And normally those types of things take me about five minutes. And I can walk through and I'm like, right, done, let's go eat, right? But I came across a, a, like a school group. And they were all sitting around this painting, all these children, and there was a very passionate teacher there. And I'm thankful for, for good, passionate teachers. And they, they were looking at this piece of art and she was explaining all the things about the artist and about this particular painting and, and why it was special and what it meant and all of these hidden things that were, were deep inside the painting. And, and I remember standing there just kind of getting closer and closer and they were probably wondering, what is this man doing? And, and I remember just I was drawn into this, to this painting. And now every time I, I go to the National Art Gallery, I know nothing about any other piece of art, but I remember that one painting and as I take people, I, I try and I impress them with all my knowledge of this, of this one painting. But the thing that I needed, I needed someone to say, look at this beauty, and look at the artist, and look at what happened, and let me explain why this is important. But see, on a much deeper level, we need that when it comes to God, when it comes to what He has done for us, to go and to understand these truths, to understand the artist. To understand our salvation. To understand what our future holds. And to understand that which He is doing in our life today. And so may God give us understanding of these truths. May we echo Paul's prayer for for one another. That we would have eyes that are open to see. And ears that can hear. May we know more of Him. More of His greatness today. And may that truth give us peace. May it give us rest. May it give us assurance and boldness uh, until the day that we live forever in His presence. And may God receive great glory today from our lives as we give testament to the great artist, to the great author. And we begin to show people that which is true about us because we know what is true about Him. May God help us in this area today. Amen. Um,